on episode 57 of DevTalk, I speak to Tomasz Czilecki about MVVM Cross. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Tomasz Czilecki. Tomasz is a returning guest, one of my early episodes when right after switching from German to English on this podcast. And uh, he's a software dev, a track man at daytime and at night. He is an open source maintainer, better known in the open source world as Cheese Baron. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Kerry. Thank you for letting me be on your podcast once again. It's always a pleasure to be here. It was a pleasure last time. So, uh, yeah, it's fun to be back again. It was for me, too. How are things in Denmark? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, a uh, little bit of snow and now it's melting again. It's warming up a bit. So so that's always nice. It's super foggy today, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, that's how it is. Okay. Well, we have, actually, we had fog here, too. I didn't realize it was, was that far, almost a thousand kilometers apart. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, yeah, a little bit similar weather. Uh, yeah. Uh, last time we had you on to talk about MVVM Cross, and I want to talk about that t- today too. But I, I, I don't know if it was since last time you have a, switched jobs, or maybe it's been over two years. But uh, you work at TrackMan, and as I understand, they you track sports, or <laughs> can can you explain what you do there? Yeah. So, uh, so the founders of TrackMan, they actually wanted to figure out how to track golf balls so you could get statistics about how you are hitting and uh, how you're performing when you're when you're swinging the golf club and hitting the ball okay and uh since then it has evolved so uh the product is essentially a, a radar and a bunch of software for for this radar and there's installations of multiple radars uh, that are communicating with uh, some servers and then you we are picking up data from that but since then, since golf, we've branched out into baseball, American football, soccer is coming, I think. Yeah, we have lots of different variations of uh, the golf uh, world as well. We have driving ranges. We have, uh, you might have seen the PGA Tour once in a while or some other golf uh, tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very present at, at those and we have indoor simulators. Uh, where you stand in a like a cage and uh, you are hitting and you have a like a virtual f- uh, golf world in front of you that you are right. hitting in, into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have we have lots lots of things. Well, I, I watch baseball the most and uh, I, I actually still play. Yeah, they have this thing called Statcast. Is that does that have something to do with what you're doing or is that a different product? Mm, I'm actually not sure, but we we do have uh, radar installations. In, I think in most major golf stadiums in the world, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not 100% sure, <laughs> yeah. but uh, we do have a lot of installations. Okay, uh, so it could be data from from the TrackMan radars, but I'm not I'm not okay. sure. Well, it's it's very interesting to watch uh, how how many times did the ball spin traveling from the pitcher to the batter, and how many inches did it move to the left or the or to or down? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how much data you can get from a simple Doppler radar, okay. um, like tracking tracking a ball that spins and you can get the entire trajectory and speed and all sorts of stats. And is it only radar or also visual? Um, there's some visual tracking as well, um, but it's primarily radar uh, for, the, uh, for the ball tracking. Okay, cool. 
and you're working on a mobile app for that. Uh, yeah, so the mobile apps I work on is for the driving range space. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're at a driving range, it's uh, I don't know, I can describe what a driving range is. It's essentially an installation where you have these booths and then you hit balls from these booths. Mm -hmm. Then you hit it into a field. Usually there's like uh, targets you can aim for. And what we provide is like radars for these driving range installations, which can be like 10 base or it could be 150 base in the biggest installations. Then we have multiple radars there mm -hmm. and we track all the balls. And then you can bring your, your phone app with you where you can actually see when you're hitting, you can see trajectories, you can see statistics. So you can do like practice modes in there or you can play games against your friends. Cool. And then a new thing we have is... Uh, uh, like kiosk screens that are like uh, fixed insta installations on on the driving ranges, so you don't have have to bring your own device with you. Nice. Okay. But yeah, when you when you're playing there, you can then you collect the data and you can then see reports afterwards when you go home and see how you you should improve or how you can improve. Okay. Well, th before that, the only gamification at the driving range was trying to hit the car that picked up the balls, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, there are some like more entertainment-based uh, driving ranges, especially in the U.S., where you can like buy beer and burgers, and then you go with your friends and just try to hit those balls as hard as you can, or you that's like stuff you can destroy. Or there are some, I think, uh, Drive Shack. They have um, these uh, games. Uh, there's some competitors as well that have like games where you destroy stuff when you that on the range so they also track balls and then you can see it on the, on the screen <laughs> yeah the last so, time i was yeah. at one was in downtown berlin which was very weird to be going to a driving range like in the middle of <laughs> middle of buildings uh, but they, yeah. they had, some, had some space there <laughs> uh we we have some in japan as well that are in the middle of a city and then there's tall buildings and stuff like that <laughs> uh, in those cases you have to have some kind of netting around the driving yeah. range yeah Otherwise, uh, yeah, a lot of balls will hit outside. Yeah, well, well, we, you and I, we met through the MVVM Cross project, which is uh, a, one of the open source projects that you are working on. Yeah, yeah, it, it that was oh, how many years ago? Maybe six, seven years. I started ago. in two thousand eleven, I think. So yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I, I know that that was before I uh, ever, ever heard of uh, Xamarin or MonoTouch. Uh, so, so you were, were with MVVM Cross or, or following what, what Stuart Lodge was doing back then in 2011? Yeah, I was. I started using it around 2011, just started using it. And then Stuart left at some point. I don't remember exactly when. And then it has been uh, Martin and I. And now recently, it's mostly me that uh, is uh, driving this project. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's uh, something to do uh, during the night and evenings and keeping your skills sharp so so it's it's fun well that's that's quite the endurance you have there to keep at that project for so long yeah that's that's been points where uh, you get some not so pleasant remarks on on in issues and pull requests but uh yeah just see see past it and and move on uh, yeah i know some people can get frustrated uh like hey please fix my issue um but yeah, sorry. It's a it's a library that is used by many people. It's not only you. Yeah, yeah. You have to weigh your battles and then take it from there. And MVVM Cross is is widely used. I remember it was once on. Uh, you could see MVVM Cross code on the 
like the C sharp start page at Microsoft on the on the website. There was some some source code that was using MVVM cross. It is from from my understanding. Well, or could you explain what it what it is, what what it's targeting at, and uh, what what problems it solves? Yeah, so MVVM cross is a opinionated MVVM library that provides some very nice help helping tools for uh, Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, WPF, uh, Xamarin Mac as well, uh, Tizen. Yeah, the dimension Xamarin Forms, Xamarin Forms as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a MVVM library, uh, a set of plugins, and an IOC container, and then a bunch of uh, like help help us for navigating between view models. So, so like sharing as much code in your app as uh, as possible, basically. Yeah, and this this is actually where MVVM the as a as as a model shines. MVVM came about when typically for platforms we only had like. One one platform as a target, but uh, it turns out it is very well suited to to have have this this cross platform approach because well there are these layers the view is at the top and then there's view model underneath and then there's the model layer on the bottom and the top layer knows about the layers underneath but not the other way around so a- anything under the view can be written in a way that can make it reusable on multiple platforms. So only the view layer has to be exchanged. Yeah, so essentially we are the glue between the view and the rest of the app. Mm-hmm. That's what MVVM Cross is. And then it's written in a model view, view model uh, architecture or a design pattern. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. basically you try to move as much code as you can into the lower layers that are cross-platform and have as little as possible in the upper layers. Yeah. So there will, of course, always be some stuff in views that uh, cannot be reused uh, between platforms. But uh, if you are, if you structure your, your code w- uh, well enough, you can share behavior, like all sorts of stuff in the shared code. I've had some cases where I could share around 70% of the of the code between platforms. Mm-hmm. So if you use them in forms, you might be able to achieve even more because that's another abstraction layer to try to abstract views away in a shared banner. So yeah, uh, it's a good tool uh, to help you share code. Okay. Well, it, it seems a lot of teams are working in that direction uh, to make you make you share as much code as possible. There is, uh, well, there's Xamarin Forms, which came after MVVM Cross, which tries to solve that problem maybe in a different approach. And But you, you just mentioned you also support Xamarin Forms. Yeah, there's, of course, some intersection uh, between what Xamarin Forms provides and what MVVM Cross provides. Mm-hmm. But I would say Xamarin Forms is largely view-oriented, while MVVM Cross is... Uh, oriented towards architecting your your app and uh, providing some helpers to abstract a lot of that away. I saw on Twitter that you're working on a new release of MVVM Cross. This will be MVVM Cross 8. I, I left sometime around version 4. W- what is it that you're currently working on and what are the, what are the new things that you, you want to bring into MVVM Cross? Right. So... MVVM Cross as is is like quite stable. It's uh, 
it doesn't really evolve that much, but over time we get new language features in C-sharp and uh, the platform-specific code for Android and iOS and all those other platforms, they evolve. Mm -hmm. So this new release, it's mostly about yeah keeping up to date with language features. It will be about yeah cleaning up the code, making it more maintainable. Uh, there's been some effort about uh, adding better documentation because that's something uh, we're missing. I'm focus focusing more on the code stuff, but uh, of course, people that are consuming MVVM Cross, they want better documentation. So that has been something we've been working mm -hmm. on. So as I said, platforms move on. So Xamarin Forms, they, they just re, uh, released a version five. So that's been uh, some work adding support for that. Okay. And then, yeah, just in general cleanup. And I have a lot of stuff to say about all that cleanup. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned the, the new language features and we had some uh, at least one episode on C sharp eight. I know C sharp nine is now also there. Um, but mm -hmm. what what is it that you think is worthwhile incorporating into your project? So uh, one of the biggest thing I've been working on uh, for MVM class eight is um, adding nullable attributes throughout the code. Um, so what nullable attributes is that it's a like a language feature that you can enable per project where you say, in this project, I don't want null, uh, uh, references to be null, basically. Mm -hmm. um, or if you want something to be null, you have to explicitly say that this specific field or argument in a method uh, signature, this one can specifically be null. Right. So what this alleviates in the end is, or hopefully does, is to get rid of a pesky null reference exception. And I'm pretty sure almost every developer that has been working with C-sharp or uh, for uh, for that sake, any other language that uh, uh, has the concept of something being null uh, has run into something actually being null at runtime and the app crashes. Yeah. Hopefully this uh, language feature, it can help us get rid of most of these. I guess all the, the C-sharp developers can also relate because they've never seen null reference exception happen with structs because right. there we're already used to doing that, writing question marks if, if it has to if it can be nullable and uh, then dereferencing it or, or uh, checking has value before using it. Yeah. yeah. But now reference types, now you can say these are never null or you have to explicitly say that this can actually be null. So uh, that's a, I think this is, a, this is a good move in C-sharp 8 uh, because also when you're consuming some code that has these nullable attributes, it's easy to see, okay, I'm calling this method. This method expects these arguments. Can any of them be null? And then there's some annotations that are generated by the comp compiler that say, okay, this uh, at uh, this argument, it can actually be null or it cannot be null. And then you know what to expect when you call that method. Yeah. So if you call something with a null that isn't allowing something being null, you'll get a, both a compiler warning, but also at runtime, uh, you can almost be certain that something bad will happen because it doesn't expect a null. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, th this is the interesting part. Now you're working on a library and the, the problem that C-sharp has is that they didn't have this feature from version one on. 
So they made it um, a feature that you can enable or disable. Mm -hmm. When people call MVVM Cross, they might have it enabled or not. Um, and are you going to have this visible on the API surface? And if so, will you then check, still check if things are null? Uh, or is this just something that you're using within MVVM Cross? So, uh, so that's the cool thing about uh, nullable attributes. When you enable it in your code, when the code compiles, it provides these annotations. Mm -hmm. So someone consuming it, even though they haven't enabled nullable uh, attributes in their project, you can still see when you're, when you're drilling through the arguments on the method, uh, what it actually expects. Okay. So that's, that's a very cool thing. And then if, if you enable nullable attributes on your project, it will immediately complain if you're doing something wrong with the uh, nulls. Yeah. And then, of course, you will have to uh, handle that before you try to call that, uh, that method or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but, but in your code, uh, when somebody passes you an argument, do you then still check if it is null or do you just assume it isn't? Right. Right. So what I've chosen to do in MVVM Cross is that when, whenever uh, I don't expect a null and you still pass a null so, uh, in, in public uh, methods or properties, uh, no, not properties, actually, primarily in methods, mm -hmm. if, if something is null when you pass it in and it doesn't expect it, I will throw an argument null exception, Okay. primarily in public API. So uh, I don't check it in private methods because it's it's private. It's uh, I either know whether something is null or or not. In yeah. So, but but so you get an argument null exception instead of the null reference exception. Uh, so, but the big benefit yeah. is for those users who have enabled uh, nullable reference types or non-nullable reference types, and also for when you're using MVVM cross, you know that within the the library there is not going to be any null reference exceptions if if you've passed in. Uh, if if uh, you've uh, managed to pass on something to the API and it hasn't thrown it directly, mm, yeah. And uh, another point to to mention here is that uh, since you're getting an argument null exception, it's uh, instead of a null reference exception, it's not a side effect of some code yeah. somewhere in the uh, in the execution that all of a sudden is null where we don't expect it. It, it checks it up front and uh, tell you immediately, mm -hmm. hey, this is null. I don't want this null. Uh, please, please give me something else, right? You're right, yeah. yeah. So it's not a side That's effect better, like yeah. later on, like uh, deep inside of the code, something is all of a sudden null where we don't expect it and then it just explodes and you don't know what's going on. Okay. So it will be much earlier in the in the stack when, when something bad happens. Yeah. And th this is basically just a lot of grunt work. How, how far have you gotten with that? Yeah, so right now I think I've opened, uh, there's been like 10 pull requests where I've managed to add nullable attributes to 336 files out of 956 core files. So okay. MVVM Cross is split into multiple um, libraries. So in the core, the MVVM Cross library, we have... 956 files and yeah it's almost a third third done with uh, adding nullable mm -hmm. attributes in there so this means i haven't covered some some stuff like bindings and loggings and some platform specific stuff but all the other core stuff it's actually fully covered now by nullable attributes nice so yeah 
So that's going to be in the 8.0 release. Yes. Okay. And then I recently saw a a tweet of yours. Uh, You were talking about um, changing the the locking interface. Yeah. So another thing uh, I've been investigating, um, like while doing all these nullable attributes, I have like gone through a lot of the code and I can see maybe there's some design design decisions that uh, might have not been the best uh, and then I'm trying to clean it up while I'm while I'm digging through the code. So one thing is we have this um, IMVX log and IMVX log provider, uh, which is which are a couple of interfaces that you can implement and provide your own uh, logger, or which then calls and logs to. It could be a file or it could be let's say Elasticsearch or something uh, somewhere else, um, or it could just be the console um, while you're running it uh, with debugger on. Yeah. Um, but all this code, it uh, relies heavily on reflection. So if you want to use one of the popular um, logging libraries, such as serial log or nlog or logfinet or whatever, we do a lot of reflection and we try to detect, is this assembly for uh, Siri lock uh, present uh, in the compile code. If yes, then we try to reflect our way uh, to log into Siri lock. Mm-hmm. And I really don't, I really don't like this code. It's uh, it's uh, a little bit brittle, especially if Siri lock changes uh, their public API, it will just start exploding, and um, I, I really don't like that. So Microsoft has uh, a set of extensions. One is uh, Microsoft Extensions Logging, which is a um, yeah, interface. And then there's a bunch of th- uh, third-party and first-party uh, extensions for these extensions that can uh, fill in like console loggers or Siri log, Log4Net, and all of these libraries very easily. So uh, I'm, I like send out a probe on Twitter to ask, hey, would you mind if I change, did this big breaking change uh, for the next version? And uh, I think most people said, yes, please do it. Uh, well, we actually prefer to use Microsoft extensions logging instead of uh, something uh, custom made for MVVM Cross. Okay. And this, this is just a Microsoft's uh, .NET standard, standard library that you can use because uh, all the platforms MVVM Cross supports have .NET standard support. Uh, yeah, so okay. the core of Evium Cross is .NET Standard 2.0, mm-hmm. um, and yes, this library is yeah, it supports all the way down to 1.3 if I remember correctly. Okay. So it's just a s- set of interfaces essentially, and then all these uh, extra libraries that you can get for Microsoft Extensions Logging. It like it it plugs in specific logging providers like Serialog, Log4Net whatever whatever you want basically and there's very wide support for everything you essentially need mm-hmm. so instead of me having to uh, figure out how each of these logging providers work and maintain this brittle reflection code and so on and so forth uh, we just take a hot dependency in Microsoft extensions logging that's one extra library okay which removes a whole bunch of code that we need to maintain yeah those are the best pull requests when you you have like minus 20,000 lines of code and the tests uh, yeah. are still all green. Those so. are great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, those are great when you can remove a bunch of code, but uh, everything is still <laughs> the same basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some some 
cool stuff uh, that Microsoft Extensions Logging can do is uh, is provide better support for structured logging. I don't know if you if you know what what that is, but uh, uh, imagine that you are logging something to the console, but with that log entry in the console, that there's a bunch of metadata. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you can give it like a dictionary of uh, all sorts of things that you want uh, to be present for that log line, yeah. and then Later on, when you get your log, uh, you have this I don't know, parsing tool or something. Then you click on that log entry, and then you can see all of these. Uh, uh, it's basically a key of value store. So you can see for this key, there's this. And so you could, for instance, add, okay, this was an Android device with this operating system, with this device screen size, and uh, it was running this version of Android. So you can like add a bunch of, you can enrich it with a lot of context so you know what was actually going on when this log entry happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's easier to figure out what, what is going on. And uh, you could also add like session ID. So if you're starting a session of something and uh, you have this bunch of uh, method calls that are related, you could pass on that session ID and then you know what's going on in that that session and that code flow. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very nice tool to figure out what's going on with your, with your code. And uh, it's something... I recommend everyone to to maybe start looking into if you are not already already doing it. Yeah. So stru- structured logging is the bee's knees, basically. I was wondering if there are like um, implementations of that that go to things like like Raygun, uh, where you can. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Uh, uh, you you could do that with uh, Microsoft extensions logging, making a log provider. Uh, which essentially just throws it at uh, Raygun or Elasticsearch or uh, App Center or okay. whatever mm-hmm. whatever you're using Bitrise Bitrise Trace I don't know it's a new new product mm-hmm. so yeah cool um, everything is possible it's just making a provider for it and and then it's just um, using this iLogger or iLogger Factory interface that the Microsoft Extensions Logging is providing yep. So all your code will only know about iLogger for my specific instance of a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will, I think the transition will more or less be changing IMVX log to iLogger everywhere in your code. Okay. And then you will also need to set up a specific logger and that's it. It will be mostly p- painless, I, w- I would say, if, uh, if we take this dependency on Microsoft extensions logging, which uh, I'm pretty certain we will do. Nice. And you mentioned Xamarin Forms five support. Uh, I'm, some, somehow, I had the feeling Xamarin Forms Forms five was not such a such a big release or not so much talked about because everybody's looking forward to .NET Maui coming up. And and uh, are, are you working on that too? So yeah, Xamarin Forms five support. It was actually a community contribution, so I didn't have to do anything, nice. um, which was nice. Um, yeah, MV, uh, sorry, Xamarin uh, Forms five wasn't a big thing. Uh, as as for changes in MVM Cross, there was some public API. There were some some controls that changed name. Okay, but most of it is more or less the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't actually a big thing. Uh, but with regards to Maui, we do have these uh, uh, meetings with uh, David Ortenau. I think uh, I'm. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it, pronouncing it correctly. I think so. Yes. Yeah, but we we've had some meetings with him, and uh, like it's very early with Maui. Uh, there's some discussions going on, and 
so yeah it's very very early so far i think uh we're also waiting a little bit for uh .net uh 6 coming out mm -hmm. i think uh that one will be more exciting for us contra uh maui um so yeah but yeah let's see uh, uh stuff is going on with maui but uh, it's it's very early so far. yeah okay we have we haven't written a single line of code for the maui okay let's say that but if it's a, a big success i'm sure mvvm cross will support it yeah of course uh, uh yeah we will support it uh, definitely okay and then you were mentioning documentation so uh and this is something you're not working on directly yeah some from time to time i i don't really like <laughs> nobody likes writing documentation or some some people like of course writing doc documentation but it's it's not my expertise to write technical documentation mm -hmm. i know how to write code but writing docs that are good and informative um i don't know it's it, yeah it's not my expertise so we've we've had some uh nice community effort from from uh, a brandon butler that has done a whole bunch of um docs especially for uh, a new getting started documentation page uh we've heard a lot of uh people um asking for how do i get started with mvvm cross mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a little bit hard to get started uh if you're new and don't know how to piece it together because there's uh there's some boilerplate that you need to to add to your app to actually start up mvvm cross and and get get the system started yeah um so now we have a good getting started doc and getting started project it's based on uh, mvx scaffolding uh, which is uh, this um, .NET template tool. And on Windows, you, you also can have a UI tool that can generate uh, a MVVM cross project for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, you should be able to follow it step by step and end up having a MVVM cross project ready to, to be filled out with all, all whatever you need for that project. And essentially, it's writing one command line, two command lines, uh, command line entries in your terminal, if you have .NET installed on your machine, mm -hmm. and then you're up and running. Cool. Um, yeah, and uh, Brandon has been very good at updating a lot of uh, missing parts and other documentation. There's been a couple of other contributions, but uh, it's a big thanks to Brandon to get uh, the docs uh, better suited for people to read. Nice. I remember there there used to be two Visual Studio plugins that. There's been a couple. I think there was MVVM Cross Ninja and some yeah. some other other ones. And uh, by Jim Bennett, I think there was. Ah, uh, Jim Bennett. He also yeah. wrote something. Yeah. He also wrote a book. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which is actually pretty interesting. You can get it on Manning.com, uh, or you can get some maybe some. Uh, discount coupons through um through his uh, web uh, website so okay I, I will link to that yeah, yeah. I, I remember it uh, i have the book and it, it does mention uh there there is a, at least one chapter on MV, mvvm cross there right i reviewed it so i've i've read it like 30 times okay. or more so i know it in and out <laughs> but yeah it's 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 pretty good to get started with mvvm cross it's based on mvvm cross 5 i think it was right when we transitioned to MVVM Cross 6, where there was some breaking changes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's still uh, still mostly mostly good, all of the content that's in there. Yeah. There's some interesting uh, chapters about async uh, 
await and tasks, which uh, which I really like. I like the um, analogies uh, he makes towards the real world contra your code. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's pretty cool. Cool. Well, we we talked a bit, little bit about what, what's coming up in the future after MVVM Cross Eight. Uh, you said .NET six, .NET MAUI. Um, anything else that 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 is on the long term roadmap for you? Yeah. So another thing people have been asking quite a bit is and one more Microsoft extension uh, for dependency injection. Mm -hmm. In MVM Cross right now, we have an IOC container based on, I think it's tiny IOC. It's working fine and everything, uh, but it's lacking a lot of the features that you can get from all sorts of other dependency injection containers and platforms and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing that we have to maintain and uh, we have to kind of compete with all these other dependency injection containers with all the features they provide and yeah. so on. So. I think uh, it would be better to just take a de hard dependency on, on, on something else. And in this case, I would say that Microsoft ex Extensions Dependency Injection, it's a good fit because it also facilitates using other containers like Autofag or Ninject or, or whatever the support for. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, when we adopt it, we have to change quite a bit of code. For instance, we have this... Uh, MVX dot, and then it, it has like a MVX class that has a bunch of uh, stuff in there that we kind of abuse. So it's it's like a service locator mm -hmm. uh, class we have, which is used quite a bit of uh, places. So we have to get rid of that. We would have to get rid of uh, MVX singleton um, and some other classes. So there will be a bunch of cleanup for that. And of course, some breaking changes. Uh, it might even make it into MVM Cross eight, but I'm not sure yet. It might it might be MVM Cross nine before it gets in. Mm -hmm. Depends on the timeline and how fast people want want stuff. So, but yeah, definitely something I want to look into and uh, figure out whether whether we can use that instead. Yeah, I uh, I remember those uh, working with those classes. Yeah, it was very convenient to always type MVX dot and then have access from everywhere, but uh, yeah. You know, yeah, but it's an anti-pattern and yeah. then you're taking, like you're having this uh, God class that you're using everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, you're taking a very hard dependency on that and you're also hiding the fact that you're resolving something from this uh, service locator. Yeah. So for yeah. instance, if you use it in a view model or something and then you want to test that view model at some point, then hey, all of a sudden it, it crashes or the test fails because it uses that hidden dependency that is being resolved in, inside of the service locator. Mm. So there will be a bunch of work with regards to cleaning all that all that stuff up. Um, sure, the MVX uh, service locator class it's very convenient, uh, but yeah, it hides hides stuff from you. Yeah, it can easily be abused. Okay, well, cool. And we do kind of abuse it in in MVM cross as well. Uh, like every time we have to lock something, we just say, hey, mvx.ioc uh, provider, get me this lock. And then we lock with that logger or we use it everywhere mm -hmm. or, or a lot of places. Yep. And all those places we have, we are going to have to change the code and to not hide these dependencies too. And yeah, say upfront and that this class needs this and this and this interface before it actually works. Mm -hmm. Okay, very, very cool. Uh, so... MVVM crossed very much alive. 
new release in the pipeline and i i hope people download it and and give it a try i uh, i liked it so much back then that i i actually helped helped out with the, with the team or implementing some features or some some transitions and um, i re- still recommend it to anyone writing a yeah, cross platform project using c sharp yeah so Keep up the good work, yeah. Thomas. Yeah, I can. Uh, well, I can give some stats about how many downloads we have today. Sure. So just on the MVVM cross package, we have 3.7 million downloads. And then, I don't know, I think in total, if I sign in, I think it's around 12 million downloads for just MVVM cross packages. Wow. So it is quite popular. Yeah. Like, of course, a lot of these downloads will be like CI systems that are downloading every time there's a build. But uh, yeah, it's it's quite popular. Yeah, and yeah, it still amazes me that even though it's this popular, uh, we don't have too much community activity. Sure, there's there's some someone we have a Discord channel um, mm-hmm. on the what is it .NET Evolution uh, server where there's some discussion going on, and we have questions on Stack Overflow and in, in our GitHub discussions. But yeah, over the years, I would have expect expected a little bit more, but. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff going on, uh, but yeah, it's hard to to yeah keep keep people uh, entertained, I guess, uh, <laughs> or lure them into participate uh, participate. But as I said, uh, it's mostly stable, so yeah. like uh, yeah, there's not much to complain about. Or if there is something to complain about, we fix it pretty fast, unless it's something very very complicated <laughs> or very edge casey. Yeah. Well, I used it in projects since 2013, so uh, and it was uh, stable back then. So, very yep. much recommended. <laughs> so, th- thank you for for telling us what you're up to, and uh, I, I wish you all the all the luck with your work and with this project. Yep. I know there's some other open source stuff that you're working on, so. Thank you for for all your contributions to the community. Yeah, I'm I'm just happy to to have something to do in the evenings when I'm not gaming or something or yeah. Uh, so I keep my skills sharp, writing even more code that I also do in my daytime. So yeah, yeah it's, it's all fun. It's uh, it's like puzzles for grownups basically that you can do on your computer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Thomas. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Once again, this has been another episode of dev talk and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye bye.